Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are Jim Fryer, our Managing Editor, Sharp Smith, our Technology Editor, and John Celentano, our Business Editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Our Q3 issue is available now. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com slash intelligence. Sharp, I believe you went to Nate this week. Tell us about it. Yes, I did, Leslie. And uh, uh, it's the first uh, time that Nate has gotten together in the last two years. And uh, if one uh, had any uh, question as to whether the tower company has uh, momentum or whether Nate has uh, lost its momentum, uh, it would all have been cleared up if you were in... uh, Las Vegas, the conference broke records as far as attendance is concerned. They had uh, uh, in excess of uh, 2,600 people, 1,600, uh, 1,660 uh, exhibitors, and a full slate of uh, sessions, uh, three, three consecutive uh, tracks. And uh, they also chose the, uh, the, event, the event to announce that uh, they now have uh, 11, Nate has 1,100 uh, member companies, which is up from uh, 1,087. And uh, so, uh, you know, the uh, show floor was, uh, v- was vibrant. Uh, sessions are, are always well attended uh, at the, these things. And so, uh, Really, really good news for uh, for the tower industry uh, from coming from this this event, and uh, uh, and so also another another uh, you know as well as having the uh, breakout sessions, they were also able to garner Charlie Ergen as a as a keynote speaker, and uh, uh, he and uh, Brendan Carr were interviewed by Jennifer Fritchie who is uh, now the head of uh, North American Telecom and Digital Infrastructure at uh, Green Hill and Company. And um, so the basic question to, uh, to Charlie, which is uh, the proverbial question, uh, is uh, when, what's going on? And uh, uh, we're in Las Vegas, which is where their first uh, uh, the first system was supposed to have been turned on last year, and uh, they've deployed 148 towers, and uh, and it it is working. However, uh, it can't go online because they don't have their enhanced 911 uh, system in place. And uh, so uh, Charlie said that's uh, being put in by a third party, and I guess the other carriers have to, uh, um, you know 
they have to integrate with it somehow. I'm not exactly sure why, but there's their databases involved. And uh, he did make a, he mentioned he looked over at uh, Commissioner Carr and said, if people uh, start dragging their feet on this, you're going to get a call. Uh, so, uh, um, so hopefully the, uh, uh, that will uh, come into, into being soon. And, but overall, he said that uh, Dish Network is on track to, being, to making their uh, commitment to the FCC of covering 20% of the population by June. That's really right now. That's the uh, that's the the huge question is uh, you know can they can they uh, can they make their commitments make their deadlines um, so yeah just having somebody like Charlie Ergen uh, on the on the dais uh, is a is a huge coup for 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 Nate and uh, they just uh, continued to increase in, uh, in stature and, uh, and in power. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was a real good event and really strong signs for the industry. You know, I have a, I have a few tower climber uh, folks that I'm connected to and they were lamenting the fact that the show, the Nate show is during the week and they have to work and they couldn't go to the show. But uh, I, I, I tried to assure them uh, Nate still is looking out in their, for their best interests. You know, before we got the, this podcast going, you were mentioning the movie was well received. Do you want to tell us about that? Oh, yes. I sorry, I forgot about the movie. Uh, um, the movie is called Vertical Freedom, and it's a, uh, it's a full-length documentary, which... Uh, uh, which is really well done. It took uh, 21 months to uh, to produce, and uh, uh, but they they spared no expense on this, and they're going to be uh, shopping it to the the major streaming services, and even entering it in uh, the film festivals like uh, South by Southwest and uh, ones like that. So uh, the the whole idea is was to uh, create something. That was of such quality that they could uh, they could get it uh, watched by a, a mainstream audience. Uh, as far as we're concerned, you know, there wasn't anything in the movie that was uh, surprising because we're we know the message, and this is Nate saying we want to go beyond the industry and get our message out to uh, to a broader audience. So uh, uh, so. People, hopefully, uh, younger young, younger people will uh, will look at tower climbing and see it as a possible career. And uh, so there's a there's a a serious work uh, you know workforce development angle to this. And uh, and the uh, what what it did was it chose about five uh, climbers and it. Uh, sort of weaved their uh, their stories together, and uh, their stories were compelling. You know uh, the struggles that some of them have been in their lives, and the uh, and and how climbing has you know really shaped their lives. And uh, so so yeah, I found it uh, I found it very very real and very um, very compelling. 
so I think they they get you know they get two thumbs up from this Cisco and Eber. Well, go. thank you, John. Uh, do you want to go next? Yes, uh, Leslie. Uh, American Tower is the leading um, tower company in the world, and they reported their year-end 2021 and fourth quarter 2021 results this week. And the numbers that they shared reinforce that. Um, I, I said in, in the piece I wrote that the company is firing at all cylinders. Uh, it, it reported double digit increases across all its financial metrics. You know, property revenues were up 15% to uh, nine, uh, 9 9.1 billion. Um, uh, net income was up uh, over 50%, uh, adjusted EBITDA was uh, 16% to 6 billion and, and uh, adjusted funds from operation were another 14% to over 4 billion. Uh, the company is just rocking and rolling. They have new master lease agreements in place with its major um, mobile operator network uh, tenants is certainly in the United States. Uh, they closed uh, two big acquisitions in 2021. One, uh, the, 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 the tower acquisition piece was uh, buying uh, over 30,000 towers from Telefonica, uh, the uh, Telefonica's Telesis Towers uh, division, uh, towers mainly in Germany and Spain and Europe, and, and then parts of uh, Latin America. At the end of 2021, uh, American Tower acquired CoreSight uh, data centers uh, in the United States, and that set them up then to be a, a significant player in the data center business. So when you look at the numbers in terms of the, the, the tower count, uh, at the end of last year, the end of 2020, they had uh, around 184,000 towers, and this is globally. Uh, uh, interestingly, uh, you know, only 20% of those towers are in the in the uh, North American market, in the main, mainly in the U.S., some in Canada, and, and and the rest of the towers are around the world: uh, Europe, uh, Asia Pacific, mainly India, Latin America. And for that scale of operation, you know, you would think their moves and increments would be relatively small, but they actually built close to 6,400 new towers last year. Again, a bulk of those in India, uh, a lot of them in Africa, and then you know small numbers in, in other uh, other markets. The acquisition and, and other smaller acquisitions added another 32,000. Uh, they had uh, sales and some decommissionings of a little over 4,000, but they ended the year with 218,000 towers. And if you think about that, you know, uh, when we think of their competitors here in the United States are around 40, 35, 40,000 towers and talking Crown Castle and SBA. Uh, Globally, you know, American Tower is is really a significant player. <clears throat> they uh, they indicated that their 2022 program uh, will actually be greater than what they did last year. So their discretionary capital expenditures for 2022 are up 58 percent to almost two billion dollars for the construction of another six to seven thousand towers. Uh, globally, and uh, you know, a small portion of that capex to go towards data centers. But their 2022 build plans calls for about 4,000 new towers in India, uh, about 1,900 in Africa, and uh, 500 each in Europe and Latin America. Um, and, and and with the Telesis acqu acquisition, they picked up a 10-year build-a-suit program to 
to um, uh, build another 3,300 towers in Germany and Brazil over that uh, 10 year period. So, you know, they're, they're projecting revenue growth uh, of around 13% to over 10 billion uh, as their, uh, their um, mobile, op- mobile network operator tenants uh, ramp up their, their 5G builds. Uh, and, and in a lot of markets, 4G is still being expanded. So uh, the company sees um, a pretty good uh, runway over the next several years. They did acknowledge that, you know, with T-Mobile decommissioning a number of the uh, legacy sprint sites or redundant sprint sites, that they will experience some churn, negative churn, that uh, will affect their, um, their, uh, their run rate for their, their tenant billings uh, growth, but uh, once that's by them, they they see a, a steady three to five percent a year increase in their revenues uh, over the next ten to fifteen years. So it's a pretty compelling story, and they're they're a great company. They they um, they're they're very methodical and deliberate in what they do. They don't jump at every every uh, uh, tower sale that may be out there, but um, they are building a, a great brand worldwide. And um, and um, you know it's one of our our flagship infrastructure companies that we're following and, and will continue to follow. All right. Thanks, John. Jim, you had a story you wanted to discuss. Yes, Leslie, we had some uh, breaking news on uh, the personnel front, and that was uh, Vertical Bridge is named a new president and COO. And that is uh, Ron Bizick, who was president of uh, Tarpon Towers prior to this. And uh, and there couldn't be a more more qualified person uh, in the industry, I think, to to join a company like Vertical Bridge. He had been part of uh, Global Signal, uh, which was an early sort of incarnation of the uh, of the of the group that eventually formed Vertical Bridge. Mark Ganzi, Alex Gelman, both well known, um, and now Alex is now the CEO of. Vertical Bridge and will remain as CEO, but uh, they brought uh, Ron and, and his expertise on board to uh, um, to lighten his load. I'm sure, and they can they can look at other opportunities as well. But uh, as I said, that Ron not only was involved with Global Signal as as their CEO, COO, um, he had was also executive vice president and COO of. SBA during some of their formative years. So um, all of that uh, definitely uh, looks good on the resume. And, and obviously there's, there's uh, not a person um, probably out there has, has better experience in, in growing companies, building companies uh, and being part of uh, Vertical Bridge and their, their aggressive, uh, aggressive build out and an aggressive stance in the market than, uh, than Ron. So congrats to him, uh, our old friend, Ron, and we wish him well. Tarpon has named William Freeman, uh, who is currently the president and co-founder along with Ron, uh, and, uh, Bill Friedman will take over as COO, uh, at Tarpon and Brent Bungle will take over as president at Tarpon. All right. So for me, one of the more interesting stories was FCC Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel floated a plan to use proceeds from upcoming FCC spectrum auctions toward an investment in 
digital next-gen 911 services for the entire country. She floated this Tuesday in a speech celebrating the 10th anniversary of FirstNet. Um, Congress has to reauthorize the FCC Spectrum Authority, which would run out September 30th. So that's why she was proposing this now to put a bug in their ear. Um, if approved, the auction funds, some of the auction funds would flow to every state and jurisdiction with 911 call centers. And next gen 911 means better support for voice, text, data, and video. For those who call 911, it would mean the opportunity to offer real-time video of the emergency and provide first responders with instantaneous pictures. So better help for those who need it faster. And it was interesting because the next day, nine progressive tech groups formed a coalition calling on Congress to repurpose a big portion of the FCC auction funds to boost efforts around digital, digital literacy and inclusion. Uh, they call themselves the Airwaves for Equity Coalition, and they want to see a substantial portion of the money raised by the FCC in the auctions. They called on Congress to set that aside to provide sustainable funding for initiatives designed to promote dig digital literacy and inclusion from local digital navigator programs and telehealth to disability access and efforts to cover the homework gap. The groups that are in this coalition are the uh, New America's Open Technology Institute, the American Library Association, the Benton Institute for Broadband, the Center for Rural Strategies, Common Sense Media, Consumer Reports, the National Digital Inclusion Alliance, Public Knowledge, and the Schools, Health, and Libraries Broadband Coalition. So that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Inside Towers Week in Review. For a complete rundown of the week's news, check out our Saturday edition. We'll see you in a week. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.